Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Russia has withdrawn from the Black Sea grain deal following months of complaints over its export needs not being met. Flash flooding has killed at least five people in the U.S. and wildfires affect thousands in Spain. And Tunisia and the European Union have formalized a deal aimed at tackling illegal migration from the North African country to Europe. Starting in Europe, Russia has withdrawn its participation in the Black Sea grain deal. The deal was brokered by Turkey and the UN last year between Russia and Ukraine. Moscow says its needs have not been met and that it will return to the deal once the Russian part of the agreement is fulfilled. Mahal Bartovit reports from Turkey. The Black Sea Crane initiative has collapsed as the Kremlin announced that Russia has decided not to extend the deal, which was set to expire on July 17th. On Monday, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan still appeared hopeful as he stated that he believed Russian President Vladimir Putin wanted the continuation of the agreement. Though there are no Western sanctions specifically imposed on Russian exports of food and fertilizers, Moscow has argued that restrictions on payments, logistics and insurance have created obstacles for their exports. Putin has stated that Russian interests have not been taken into account. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's spokesperson has announced that they were approached by shipping companies who expressed eagerness to continue their shipments if Ukraine and Turkey would allow and support the safe passage. Under the agreement, ships that left Ukrainian ports in the Black Sea were inspected by a team in Istanbul. Moscow's decision was widely criticized by Western leaders. The EU's foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, has accused Russia of weaponizing the hunger of the people, while the White House has stated that ending the deal will worsen food security and harm millions. That was Mahal Bartovit reporting. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmytro Kuleba has described Russia's decision to terminate the grain deal as an irresponsible move putting global food security at risk. Meanwhile, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres says he's disappointed at Moscow's decision. Jody Jacobs reports. Since the grain deal was signed 12 months ago, over 32 million metric tons of food commodities have safely left Ukrainian ports to 45 countries. According to the United Nations, more than half of that grain went to developing countries, including relief for the World Food Programme. Addressing reporters in New York, Guterres said he had tried to unblock some of the obstacles that remained in the foreign trade of Russian food and fertilizer products, something the Kremlin has repeatedly raised as a concern with the deal. The Secretary General says he had sent a letter to President Vladimir Putin detailing how he had broken a deal to reconnect the Russian Agricultural Bank to the SWIFT International Payment Network. The bank was cut off by the European Union in June 2022 following its special military operations in Ukraine. I'm deeply disappointed that my proposals went unheeded. Today's decision by the Russian Federation will strike a blow to people in need everywhere. But it will not stop our efforts to facilitate the unimpeded access to global markets for food products and fertilizers from both Ukraine and the Russian Federation. Turkey, who helped the UN negotiate this deal, says it hopes it can persuade the Kremlin to rejoin it. 
Russia's foreign ministry has said it would consider rejoining the grain deal if it saw concrete results on its demands. That was Jody Jacobs at the United Nations in New York. Now on to Spain. A raging wildfire has forced more than 4,000 people out of their homes on the Canary Island of La Palma. The wildfire comes as another summer heat wave sweeps across southern Europe, with record temperatures expected this week. Ken Brown reporting from Spain. Thousands of homes evacuated, almost 4,000 hectares burned, and a national park in danger. That's the toll so far of a wildfire that continues to rage out of control on La Palma, one of the Canary Islands. I've never seen a fire spread so fast. One local told Spanish TV, as some 400 firefighters, nine helicopters, and two airplanes continue to fight the blaze. Local town halls have become temporary shelters, and a team of psychologists is on site helping the displaced. The fire burns on as another heat wave sweeps across Spain and southern Europe, expected to bring record temperatures. Sixteen Italian cities are under red alert as Rome could mark 43 degrees on Tuesday, while in Athens the Acropolis is shutting down during the hottest part of the day to protect tourists. Europe's hottest ever temperature recorded, 48.8 degrees Celsius in Sicily, could be surpassed this week. Jaén and Cordoba in southern Spain are braced for 44 degree days, as Madrid also bakes in more than 40 degrees. Of course, we're concerned, particularly here in Madrid, at over 40 degrees. Older people suffer more from this. Where are we going to end up with heat like this? The consequences are scary for our skin, our health in general, and everything else. Experts point to climate change as the driver of these extraordinary temperatures. The population is more conscious now of the changes we are suffering with heat waves, like this one becoming more frequent and more extreme. From our perspective, in the scientific community, we try to make people understand that this situation will only get worse. 2022 saw forest fires reduce over 3,000 square kilometers of Spanish countryside to ashes. That was the worst year on record for wildfires. But there is some good news on the Canaries. Favorable wind overnight stalled the spread, and officials are trying to keep the fire from getting deeper into the Caldera de Taburiente National Park. That was Ken Brown reporting from Spain. In North America, flash flooding has killed at least five people in the U.S. state of Pennsylvania. One hundred people, along with drones and dogs, were involved in the search for two children swept away in their family car. In other parts of the country, scorching heat and intense storms are continuing. The extreme weather has raised some doubts about whether the U.S. is taking climate issues seriously enough. Jim Spellman has more. Another weekend of extreme weather in the U.S. In California's Death Valley, temperatures topped 52 degrees Celsius, around 125 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, your arms are burning. Uh, your face is burning. Even away from the desert, much of the southern U.S. is baking under a brutal heat dome. So the big thing that's causing these high temperatures is a very strong area of high pressure,、um, and we're seeing this high pressure get to near record levels in terms of its intensity. Uh, and that's causing a lot of these very high temperatures. Meantime, across the country in the Northeast, heavy storms brought deadly flooding to multiple states, including Pennsylvania.、Um, all of a sudden, you know, the skies opened up, and I think that so many people are used to 
the crazy weather these days. Uh, just kind of, you know, storms coming down. And a record wildfire season in Canada is sending heavy smoke across some parts of the U.S., creating dangerous air quality levels for millions. State and local officials are struggling to manage one intense weather event after another. This is possibly our new normal. This is the kind of weather that even what should normally be a beautiful beach-going Sunday in July can turn into a devastating catastrophe. Researchers say the current cycle of extreme weather is driven at least in part by a developing El Nino weather system combined with human-caused climate change. Last week, the U.S. Congress heard testimony from the head of the Federal Emergency Management Agency. I consider climate change one of our most significant threats in the future and the crisis of the generation that we're living in right now. But many climate advocates say so far, the U.S. has failed to treat climate change like a true crisis. That was Jim Spellman reporting. Moving on to Asia, senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi has met U.S. climate envoy John Kerry and expressed Beijing's readiness at finding solutions for climate issues together with the United States. Kerry earlier met his Chinese counterpart Xie Zhenghua during his four-day visit. Dong Xue has more. Wang reiterated that building a green, low-carbon, as well as sustainable development path for all nations was not only important for the next generation, but also a shared international responsibility. Well, Wang then referred to President Xi Jinping's goal of building a shared future for humanity, saying a climate cooperation is an inevitable part of that goal and that Beijing is willing to strengthen talks and search for better mutual solutions with the United States. Wang went on and urged the U.S. to implement more pragmatic policies when dealing with China. And Kerry obviously echoed the sentiment and said he looks forward of being able to move forward the climate change and the, and the dynamics in this area as well as in bilateral relations. He said President Biden is very committed to stable the China-U.S. relations and also to work together to make a significant difference to the world. So the overall time for the both sides are calling for a change in a broader relationship and the hope is in climate change cooperation can be an oasis amid the desert of a strained bilateral relations. That was Dong Xue reporting. In Africa, Ethiopia has decided to delay the next round of filling and operating a mega dam on the River Nile, a move it says will stimulate regional cooperation. Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed says the decision has taken into consideration the concerns of downstream nations, including Sudan and Egypt. Yasser Hakim has more. Ethiopia says the dam will generate much-needed electricity, while Egypt and Sudan have complained it would cut their share from the Nile River, the main source of water for the two water-impoverished North African nations. They are feeling different quantities every year, and this should be in coordination with its partners who have to plan for their agriculture and other water needs. We are unable to do so. Egypt is calling for a mutual agreement on the principles of sharing and feeling and operating the dam. The East African nation has pledged to guarantee the safety of the dam and water flow to its northern neighbors. The leaders agreed this week to resume negotiations and have set a four-month deadline to resolve the outstanding issues. But given that there has been over a decade of unfruitful discussions on the subject, most experts are unsure whether things will be different this time round. 
Egypt has shown huge restraint and has always been patient in the protracted talks. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi and the Ethiopian Prime Minister met twice recently and launched the new round of talks. Hope there is a real will and good intentions to find a solution. It's still unclear, however, which role Sudan will play in such talks, as it's currently caught up in a near civil war. That was Yasser Hakim reporting from Egypt. Still in Africa, Tunisia and the European Union have formalized a deal aimed at tackling illegal migration from the North African country to Europe. The deal was signed by Tunisian President Kai Said, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Meloni, and Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte. Adnan Chouachi reports. The European leaders have hailed the landmark agreement, saying it's the first step towards the establishment of a genuine partnership between Tunisia and the EU to tackle the irregular migration crisis in the Mediterranean. Europe and Tunisia will also increase economic partnership in a bid to support the country's ailing economy. We are determined to implement the contents of the memorandum as quickly as possible. The countries want real equality and do not want kindness without respect. Today, we need a collective agreement on inhumane migration and on the displacement processes behind which criminal networks hide. Many civil society organizations have criticized Tunisia's agreement with the EU. Migrants' rights activists say the North African country should never be Europe's border guard and should not be turned into a land to resettle migrants rejected in Italy, France and other European countries. Tunisians either die in the sea or in the migrant camps, which are in reality prisons in Lampedusa. Tunisian migrants are always isolated from other nationalities and many have died in Italy. It's a shame to accept European terms. I lost my two sons in 2019 in a failed irregular migration attempt in the Mediterranean. I recovered and buried their bodies in 2022. I know the suffering of mothers and migrants who are mistreated in Italy. The Italian Prime Minister is not welcome in Tunisia as long as migrants are dying in the sea and those who live are being deported. The President of the European Commission has announced that the EU will allocate 100 million euros in funding to work towards deepening partnership and cooperation in the areas of search and rescue operations, border management and the fight against human trafficking. That was Adnan Chouachi reporting from Tunisia. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. Russia has withdrawn from the Black Sea grain deal following months of complaints over its export needs not being met. Flash flooding has killed at least five people in the US and wildfires affect thousands in Spain. And Tunisia and the European Union have formalized the deal aimed at tackling illegal migration from the North African country to Europe. And that concludes this edition of the top story a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening. <laughs>